Welcome job, back, Red Spotters, actually in the Red Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez. And for the first time in forever, Mr. Kyle Lira has descended from on high to mingle, mingle with, with the, the commoners. commoners. <laughs> How are you doing, Mr. Lira? I'm okay. Tired, but okay. Yeah, it is what it is. I won't even bother asking Peter, I'm sure. It would be futile. Okay, here, here's his response. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's alive. Okay. Well, this is episode number 268. I am so honestly kind of excited. I haven't... I, I don't recall the last time the three of us have just done a show like this. And and I uh, can't wait to see what happens. We got a lot to discuss today. We have a lot of trailers for you. We've got The Mandalorian Season 2, WandaVision, James Bond, No Time to Die, Dune, which is some someone here is very excited for that film. Uh, we also have it's news. Tootsie. That's right. We have news on She-Hulk, as well as Wonder Woman and Mulan's performance on Disney+. Plus. So all that and more on today's show. So... Something pretty dramatic happened over the weekend, and as we usually do on this show, we want to acknowledge it, especially since this was a uh, real-life superhero in every sense of the word. I know that the word hero is overused and is especially used by, you know, a group of people who don't really intend on helping um, economic situations. But that being said, this woman was a force of nature. By the way, if you haven't seen the documentary feature RBG, it's on Hulu. Uh, so if you have that, and I believe also CNN was streaming it or airing it over the weekend. I thought you were um, talking about, uh, JK Rowling. <laughs> yeah, she did die. Although she died a long time ago. Only in our hearts. I am of course <laughs> referring to, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away over the weekend at the age of 87 years. Uh, unfortunately, uh, losing um, her battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, I mean, just to say, first and foremost, uh, this person, you know, a lot of similarities, Peter, when we discussed about the passing of Chadwick Boseman. She's very much a champion uh, for human rights and civil yeah. rights and women's rights. And she literally spent all of her life doing as much as she could to further all of those issues and to a i would say certain degree of success and her death is beyond uh gutting not just on you know on a pure you know human and person to person level but her death literally could is monumental with the future of the country and I'm not sure that's happened before with any other Supreme Court justice. It's pretty telling how awesome your uh, democracy is. Is when the death of a lifetime appointment can just completely shatter your entire institutions for the foreseeable future. Um, good job, founding fathers. Um, yeah, uh, Arby, I thought you were going to say it was similar to uh, Chadwick Boseman and that it came out of nowhere. Um, it didn't, obviously, like, she's been fighting for a very long time. Um, she, she did live a long life, 
87. Not many people get to get to say that number. Um, we probably won't. Um, so yeah, she did, and she did do a lot of amazing things, especially in the advancement of, uh, women's rights. Uh, that was when you talk about like specific, um, I don't know what, what, what do you call it? Specific fights that she wanted to, um, take on throughout her political career, um, the advancement of women in this country was very much her, her, her main goal. Like, uh, Uh, like women, uh, being able to take out a mortgage by themselves, um, the just owning a credit card as a woman, you know, or a debit card or having a bank account for themselves. Actually, I don't think, I think they're still not allowed to have bank accounts. Oh my God. Don't. You know, just like stuff like that, minute little things like that is made possible because of her. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty rad, you know, just, Mm -hmm. just doing that, just the little simple fights that she would do, but it meant so much and left a big mark and a big dent onto what women are able to do in this country. And I think that that is very liberating um and i think that is a a a huge um i think that leaves a big dent in what you know you're able to do uh not just politically but like humanitarianly if that is if that's a word <laughs> ah fuck it dr seuss made up words all the time um <laughs> and you said great. yeah you said something uh, earlier about like little fights here and there. Um, they weren't little though. Like they may seem little, like oh, being able to do this or being able to do that or this little thing know, here, that little thing it, there. But uh-huh. like being able as a woman to control your own finances and be able to support yourself and that kind of stuff. Like that's everything. Yeah, um, it, it really is. Okay, uh, what I mean. Okay, to clarify, it's like mm-hmm. it sounds a little trivial. Yeah, it things. sounds small, but it's yeah, actually, but it's actually really big. Mm-hmm. But um, but the it's ramifications just, are pretty big. But that's the thing, though. Um, just because of little little trivial things like that that sounds small, meant like impactfully so much to a lot of people. I think that's extraordinary all in itself. Just it's for, so inspiring. Go ahead. Sorry. Just for that. Just for those feats alone, I think is. I worth. agree. No, it's so inspiring to me anyway. Just to see anyone at that age, uh, to the very end, to the bitter end, if you might even say, in, in terms of that horrific, you know, illness she had that has unfortunately killed far too many and continues to. Cancer sucks. Uh, it really fucking does. And look. Um, to be 87 years old and to be a Supreme Court justice, like to me, like that I feel is literally putting a lot more work than any senator or congressman ever does. And and she was committed and passionate about her work. She would write her own dissenting opinions or majority opinions whenever that you know she'd be on there the case. Like she was a scholar. She was a brilliant mind and a fighter to the very end. And I think like it just makes me um, 
inspired to feel as if like, you know, we have it within us, you know, to keep moving forward and to keep, you know, uh, pushing on uh, up until, you know, our lives are over. We don't have to just, you know, sit aside and and retire. We can keep on going. And the fact that she felt so motivated to not retire, that she, you know, gave her all to literally survive as long as she could. And I believe she's even gone on the record saying so, that I'm going to live as long as I can because she was fucking scared of Trump. Uh yeah, and to be fair, they, it was not fair to right. rest that She should much. have had the choice to retire. Yeah, she should have had her retirement. Yeah, which again, much much uh, thanks to what Peter said previously. Thank you, government, for, um, for being that fucked up that uh, somebody who actually gave a shit couldn't get out of it. And I think that's part of like, uh, I think part of why she is so fucking awesome is that unlike most of the people in that town, she actually came across like she gave a shit because her whole life has been her proof. Her whole life has been that record. She's lived it. And unlike a lot of the people in that town, she has made those differences. You know, when she was in law school, she had to defend why she was taking the the place of a man is, you know, the kind of times that were norm at that point. Uh, and I will say, I was very, um, I was kind of punched in the gut when I, when I saw that, uh, you know, Peter had shared in, in uh, our chat, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead. I was literally, uh, I was getting out of an office someplace and I was getting in my car and the first thing I read is that, and it felt like a bomb went off because it just made me so incredibly sad for her, and it made me just sad for what the fuck is the future of this country going to look like? We're talking like... <sighs> the ramifications of her passing will be felt for the rest of our lives. Yeah, that's the part I don't think about. It just gets me so scared because, of course, there is also an election coming up. I'm not going to dwell on it. I will say as though there are, I feel, um, the potential for disaster and catastrophe... I think has never been more obvious potential, I will say. But, yeah. I will say, this is, I don't want to get into politics. I really don't. Mm -mm. I really don't. Because um, it's depressing, first yeah, and foremost. Yeah. yeah. I will say, uh, I've always been a huge fan of history. Yeah, I love watching movies about history, and I love... Um, I always loved uh, learning about history in class and outside of class, history channel, all that shit. And I always, you know, wonder like, wow, how must, what must it be like to live through history? You know, that sort of, uh, yeah. that I, that sort of non-meaning, it doesn't really mean anything, that phrase, but I think we all sort of 
genuinely understand what I mean when I say live through history. Technically, we're all living through history at all times. But I I think it's pretty clear what I mean when live through history means. Um, See, all these know. events throughout the whole entire century yeah, yeah, take yeah. place. Um, you know, and- I don't. I guess my point is I don't I don't think about that anymore. <laughs> no. I knew you were gonna go in that direction and I agree with you. <laughs> and it's not something I it's I it's it's not a wish that I care. It's it's a it was a monkey's paws wish. That's what it was. <laughs> um yeah. That's, so that's all I have to say with fucking Paula. Anyway, movies. Aren't movies great? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get into what we saw this week. Mr. Martinez, if you'd like to go first and inform us of the wonderful media uh, you've consumed in the last week. Um, media. Hold on, let me bring up my list. I like lists. They're so orderly. <laughs> that is... First of all, it was funny, but that's a complete mm-hmm. reversal uh, from a few years ago. I, no, no, no. There's a difference. Ranking. I didn't like ranking. There's a difference between uh, lists remember and remember the ranking. quote you said was, I hate lists. Well, you don't have it on tape. So. I'm pretty sure <laughs> there is a video of you uh, okay. saying, a- Peter, get on with your list. <laughs> um, well, this technically isn't a film or television show or anything. But it's just, it's the thing I've been doing a lot lately. Is I've uh, been playing a lot of Batman Arkham games because I can. Um, I've been replaying uh, Arkham City and Arkham Origins, and uh, they're just I they're they're very good games. I really really enjoy them. To I me, haven't played Origins. <laughs> How is it? Uh, it's kind of considered the black sheep, obviously, of of the whole series, because uh-huh. uh, it's um, it takes a lot of assets from City, because it w- it wasn't made it wasn't made by Rocksteady, it was made by WB Montreal, and it was for that like year. It was made a it came out a year after City came out, and it was meant to be something to kind of tied you over until Arkham Knight came out, you know, uh-huh. the big the big finale. Um but I really enjoy it. And I really like the story. And it like story-wise, it it might be one of if not my favorite from all the games. And there's a there's a couple interesting things that uh that they throw in that I think are really cool. Like Bane. I think they do Bane better than anyone in that game. It's so good. Um but yeah, I the Arkham games, like the gameplay and the stories, I, I really love them. Mm-hmm. And I know when I really love a video game, when I just play it over and over and over and over. Like there's several games that I know are my favorite because I just continually, continuously replay them because it's just so fun. The atmosphere, the story, whatever, you know, I just really enjoy. So yeah, I've been playing a lot of the Arkham games and i'm i'm digging it which is cool because they just announced a couple new games uh arkham knights where you play as uh nightwing batgirl robin and the red hood Ooh, uh, okay 
Yeah, defending Gotham after Batman's untimely death. And then uh, the Suicide Squad game. Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. I saw the the preview <laughs> yeah. to that, and that looked really fun. Yeah, it looks real fun. Um, I I haven't played... Okay, I played Asylum, and Asylum was fucking awesome. Like, it's... The OG. Yeah, and then City, where it just gets a little bit bigger, and uh, and it really set the template for superhero games going forward after that, and I really liked all that stuff. I particularly love how freaking frustrating the uh, Mr. Freeze's lair is. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Yeah, just how you have to hook on to, like, a freaking uh, iceberg, and you have to, like, grab, you know, use your grappling mm-hmm. gun and just get to different places, and you'd fall and all that stuff, and it'd just be, like, utterly battening. Uh, but it was good madness, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle, I, I, I feel I that way. I, I feel that way. Um, like, to play over and over again. Uh, over again with uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't know if you played it. No, I haven't. Oh, you Have you heard of it? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, oh my god, like the story. Like, you think like, oh, it's it's Rockstar, you know, the Grand Theft Auto guys, like how, how deep and all that stuff. Like, dude, there are some story beats that make you freaking sob and cry and all that stuff like it's it's emotionally resonant and um like it makes me not want to stop because like there's a certain character um that you know meets untimely demise um and then you're just like ah don't want to don't want to face it again but the game is so good that you want to endure that pain anyway (laughs) (laughs) no that's cool yeah i wanted to ask kyle real quick uh because he hasn't had the opportunity to talk about this but i'm very mm-hmm. curious kyle if you wanted to talk about real quick the batman trailer that came out a few oh, weeks back batman oh, trailer he had said that he didn't really like it so <laughs> yes peter i absolutely hated it i mean uh uh the duct tape you know and all that no uh i really loved it like i was super excited and super thrilled when i saw that trailer um, because like, this is the kind of Batman movie I've been wanting for a while. And I looked like I was going to get slivers of it somewhere down the line when uh, it was announced that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman and all that stuff. And I was like, Ooh, okay, let, let, let's see where this goes. Maybe it'll go and take that, you know, turn where I want it to. Um, it did not. <laughs> um, so I was kind of bummed out in that notion, but then, oh my god, this tra- like first of all, Robert Pattinson, fucking, like it, it was just like two minutes, and I felt it. Uh, you hit me in my sweet spot when you play that Nirvana too. <laughs> uh, of course, that's how you know it's edgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, like Paul Dono looks freaking like creepy as hell as riddler yeah what did what did you think about uh kristen stewart as catwoman you you mean zoe kravitz (laughs) kristen stewart i thought it was inspired casting i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not touching that um the um but yeah the whole freaking like vibe feeling of the movie and all that stuff jeffrey wright looks fucking great as commissioner gordon um he's i feel like he's kind of underrated like i love him 
everywhere he pops up. But like, I don't know. I feel like he's not known as much. Yeah. He's the best Felix lighter. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's the first uh, Bond reference of the night. Um <laughs> Won't uh, be the last. Won't definitely won't be the last. But uh, yeah, I, I I fucking digged it. I, I I can't wait to see it. Matt Reeves is gonna fuck me up good when I go see the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it was mentioned, but everything that Matt Reeves said at that fandom thing about like what he wants to do with this movie is awesome. I love mm-hmm. it. And before you move on to the next thing, Peter, on your list, mm-hmm. I do want to. Uh, you know, update that Harley Quinn, the animated series, did get renewed for season three and will be moving to HBO Max. You are a fan of that show. How do, happy does that news make you, especially since other shows, let's say, of a Netflix variety were canceled recently? Um, oh. Um, that's, I'm, I'm really happy because that's, it's a good show. I really enjoy it. I think it's really funny and sincere and it's, yeah, I like, I assumed this would happen the second HBO Max was announced. I don't know why they dragged their feet for this, but, you know, <laughs> shit usually doesn't end well for TV shows, so <laughs> I'm glad. Have you seen the show yet, Kyle? Yeah. The Harley Quinn show? Yeah. No, I have not. You'd love it. I'm I'm pretty sure Kyle would love it. I hear nothing but amazing things about Harley Quinn. What's that supposed to say, huh? You love Gotham, but I mean, you love the character. <laughs> oh, here's a great show. I think you'd like a great show. You talk, <laughs> you're talking shit because you said it like a great show. Yeah, I'm talking shit. <laughs> anyway, you may continue, Peter. Okay, piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Can't and also, shit. rest in peace, Dark Crystal. Yeah, motherfucker. Which Alexis it won an Emmy. Been. It won yeah. an Emmy, ironically, the weekend. You know, the the kiss of death. Um, <laughs> I just felt like watching it, so I watched it. Uh, it was on Hulu. Uh, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Uh, you guys, Kyle, you've seen The Mask. Somebody stop me. <laughs> The ma- wow, smoking. Um, Alexa, you've seen the mask, right? Yeah, yeah. It was okay. on Cartoon Network. I seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was on Cartoon Network. So obviously, I yeah. saw Tell it. Tell Timmy, won't make it for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that. God damn! Like, if there was ever like perfect casting, him as uh, Stanley Ipkiss is just gorgeous casting because you needed a fucking cartoon to play him. And you got a, a living, breathing cartoon to play him. I don't remember if I had it on my childhood movies, um, but I should have because it's de- it was definitely a big one. I the VHS wore that shit out. No, I I've always loved the mask. Um, and I was and I I don't know as I was watching it, I kind of had this idea because I feel like people don't talk about this that much. But I feel like some of the best sequels are spiritual sequels, which mm. are films that literally have nothing to do with another film, but they captured the just the same kind of energy that this other film did. Um, 
and usually lightning in a bottle films have that. So like everyone's talking about Ghostbusters. They want more Ghostbusters. Ghost you need a sequel to Ghostbusters. And I feel like you kind of already did. It was called Men in Black. Like mm. <laughs> to, to me, Men in Black was the spiritual because it hit the same beats all the beats that you would want from a Ghostbusters movie but kept it fresh and all that um, and just looking at the mask it, it kind of felt so in some ways to a spiritual successor to like Beetlejuice mm. where it's just this weird and zany cartoon world that everyone within the movie just buys into and it's all tied together by uh, a comedic actor just fucking losing it. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's great. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Like, letting your freak flag fly. Um, you know, that might actually be a good idea for another uh, segment series on the show about, you know, films that, as Kyle would say, share kind of a... Uh, a kindred Minigital? spirit, oh, okay. a kindred spirit, kind of like okay. they're 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 very much in the same vein. I know one of the ones, one of the examples uh, that I think fits that way, like uh, uh, Passion of the Christ and a Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> I wasn't gonna oh, no no I I wasn't no I, I meant I'm, uh, I'm kidding and I'm telling a joke. <laughs> To all our Christian you... viewers, I want to let you know we will be removing him from the show. We have no we Christian will, viewers. And can, we will I... send him back to that Satanist uh, <laughs> uh, Disney show where he came from. Okay. <sighs> what were you saying? Well, I was going to say the two films I feel have a very strong, uh, have a kind of the same soul in a way. Um, and Spielberg said it himself, Close Encounter to the Third Kind and Denny Villeneuve's uh, Arrival. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say that as well. It, it's, it's, um, uh, which by uh, the way, are two of uh-huh. my, my favorite films of all time. And of course they feature aliens. <laughs> you, so, got, you have such that? a weird thing for aliens. Is that why you, you saw The Mask? You saw a preview in a guy in, in a, with a green face, and you're like, "Oh, aliens!" <laughs> no, and well, then you're like, "Oh, it's just a mask." Okay, it's on Cartoon Network. I guess I'll watch it. Maybe it. I, it was such a long time ago. I, I'm pretty sure, like, my only memory of the mask is like it was one of those things where you flip the channels and you just watch what's on. Yeah, Men in know. Black must have been Disneyland for him. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah, you know Men in Black. Not really, no. I don't really have anything. Have it, oh. an an an, uh, an emotional attachment to Men in Black. Not the right mm-hmm. kind of aliens, huh? Did you watch the X Files oh growing up, <laughs> Alexis? Oh my god. <laughs> X Files? No, I didn't actually. No, that's uh, I missed that. I, I think X Files was way too creepy. On X Files was that show? Like just the like intro would scare the fuck out of me, and I would change it. The, the, <laughs> It's a very eerie intro. The, the music, like, yeah, yeah. Oh god! And I and I had a childhood fear of aliens because of fucking signs. So like, I couldn't. Oh no, I couldn't handle it. 
It's like, you know, it's like, I, I, I don't want to believe, you know, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want Dude, to even I was think the about opposite it. of that. I, I desperately wanted to believe I was like, there was a phase, I think around that time where I was like, uh, um, you wore alien shirts and no. everything like that. You know, on history channel, they would have like <laughs> UFO sighting specials or whatever. I'd watch all those. At some point, I, I don't know why, uh, Ancient Aliens, which is like complete garbage and trash, but it was like, what if? You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> bullshit like that. Apparently you see the Chrysler real. building? Strange, even, strange shape for a building. I even read <laughs> aliens, books, perhaps? I think. You know, when we had to read AR books, I even read books yeah. on UFO, on abductions, uh, on supposed abductions. I, I was really into that crap. Uh, you know, Alexis. Yeah. Be honest. Uh huh. Were you probed? <laughs> no. You know what? I I I think so. There are. Um, It'll explain everything. That's all it, I'm saying. It would, honestly. I believe so. Now that I believe. <laughs> what were we talking about? Films with kindred spirits. That's right. Yeah, uh, I think I think that would be cool. Um, yeah. No, totally. Because I. I think it's fun, too, because you'd have to really think about it. And and it's one of those things where I almost wish that more people would prefer that than to just straight up sequels. Especially since most of them suck. Yeah. You know, direct sequels. Because so many of the film, so many films are just lightning in a bottle where it's like it was uh -huh. those actors, that writing at that place and at that time. You know, it, it could only exist in that moment in time. Like, the first Ghostbusters, you know, you you named it perfectly well. I mean, yeah. the first Ghostbusters, like, it had that that kind of je ne sais quoi about it. Je ne sais quoi. Is it girl? Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> But, like... We had to bring that back, did we? When, when the second one came out, Albeit, I found it entertaining. It was like I felt like it rehashed a lot of bullshit. Yeah, from the first one. So mm -hmm. I was like, and that's the only way that you're gonna like kind of make it good is rehashing it. You know. So I I think that you know, and also you get original ideas out of like spiritual sequels as well. But you gotta I think do that, your own shit. That's the same thing with Men in Black. Like Men in Black could only exist in that p time. With those actors, you know, yeah, uh, what's Tommy his, Lee Jones and Will Smith, and at their height, you know, with that kind of you know, the rap, you know, here come the men in black, men black. you know, not uh, your head, <laughs> and like both are basically these weird, dr it, they have weird dry humor. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're about these fantastical things, but ultimately, like, the real story is, um, about a regular nine to five job. Like, at the end of the day, Ghostbusters is just about a startup exterminator company. Uh -huh. And at the end of the day, Men in Black is just a police procedural. <laughs> but, but except in this one, they just throw ghosts at it. And in the other one, they throw aliens at it. And also, like, there, there's, like, a reference of, like, oh, this again. Like, when, uh, when, uh, Ray in, uh, in Ghostbusters, he was just, like, you know, oh, look at this. We got another free repeater just, like, pissed off that, you know, they got another, yeah. they got but another dimensional thing going on. And then that's in, where uh, the, the humor comes from, yeah. 
Yeah, and then Men in Black, they're like, you know, uh, wait a minute, they're gonna stop the world, and then Rip Torn was like, yeah, it sucks, <laughs> just like <laughs> it happens. You, do. you know, so I, I get what you mean. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the things I've seen. Uh, I have two more. I saw. I've started Archer season three, ele- not three, eleven. What Sorry. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been on a while. Yeah, Archer season eleven. Archer, I love Archer. Archer's really funny. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Archer, but you should. Uh, I think you guys would like it because they're all very uh, mean. <laughs> uh, his mother is voiced by Jessica Walter. Jessica Walter. Which she oh god she brings it, um, <laughs> yeah I guess so Archer season eleven, uh and then the last thing I'm watching is sure to get Alexis a little too excited, um <sighs> with the tragic news that we have received on this day that Jim Henson's uh, the Dark Quist- Crystal Age Quistle. of Resistance. The Dark Crystal. <laughs> As a white man with your privilege to attack a minority oh my over God, their you're accent. You're pulling that card. You're I'm pulling, pulling, I'm that pulling card. it. I'm pulling it. <laughs> to attack me over my accent is simply, accent? simply disgusting. And you will hear from HR. You will hear from them. I can't wait for our editor to splice together those comments you just said with just a few months ago, you criticizing me and Moreno for attacking Kyle for his accent or his uh, supposed accent. Um, I, you know, we'll fire the editor. So. <laughs> there only my... has ever been one editor the entire time. Well, that's not true. There's been three editors, but only mm. there's only been one down to one at this there's point. only there's been, been two consistent which has consistently been, yeah. yeah peter did some part-time editing yeah yeah so. editing stuff out more like <laughs> when it's necessary it's necessary okay uh so yes the the dark crystal age of resistance has been canceled and it you know only good shows and so quickly i guess i i really love the show it was just such a labor of love and i think i thought it was so awesome uh and i'm really sad to see that it went this way but at least that first season still exists it's out there you can still watch it and if you want a new way to support the jim henson company um i started watching it just uh on a whim and I actually quite enjoy it. I think it's really cute and funny. And it is uh, the Disney Plus show Earth to Ned. And it is from the Jim Henson Company. It is a talk, late night talk show host by an, this is where Alexis gets excited, an alien. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and it's like a a, a, a puppet alien and and they and it takes place in their spaceship and there's all these little alien creatures running around and he's and he was in the the whole gist of it is that he was a alien sent to destroy earth but instead he decided to start a talk show host and through his talk show host he tries to understand humanity um that's an amazing concept (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And it's pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, and I, as someone I can tell you who got maybe five minutes into the Muppets Disney Plus show before having to shut it off out of just disgust because I, I think it's terrible. I don't like it. The, the new one, the Muppets now? Yeah. I just, mm, not for me at all. Um, this this definitely filled that Muppets hole where I'm like, okay, yeah. Oh. Maybe Disney, maybe it is you. Maybe you do fucking ruin everything. Because <laughs> the Jim Henson company on their own, you know, was able to to make was able to make what I would consider Muppet magic with this talk show host. And it's Isn't really it amazing how many intellectual properties they have at their disposal and yet 99% of them they can't even execute properly? Yeah. And only a small portion of them they attempt to execute at all. The the rest go back into the Disney vault forever. <laughs> or Disney Plus, which is there not does. even the Disney vault because a lot of the yeah. stuff is not even on Disney Plus yet. Yeah. But Talk so, about yeah. a hole. That was, uh, that's the last thing I saw, and I thought. That's interesting. A, what was the show called again? Earth to Ned. Earth to Ned. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's worth checking out. Oh, uh, Forky asks a question, also won an Emmy, uh, which I was an avid viewer of, and I very much enjoyed, so. I, I know there was one episode of Forky asks a question where... It seemed like they got every famous actor or actress like over 90 or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. It was one episode. I can't remember which one. But I was just looking at the credits. I was like, wow, you're alive? You're alive? Betty White, I think, was on one of them. Betty White. <laughs> and then I think Carl Reiner, who passed away earlier this year. Yeah. So that was nice. That was cool, I mm-hmm. thought, in a in that kind of way. Yeah, uh, Kyle, what have mm. you been consuming, consumer? Um, well, just by obey, just by um, don't think, just consume. Uh, by secondhand watching, um, I've been watching Shit's Creek here and there. He's been telling me he's been watching. Uh, his mom uh, binge watched Shit's Creek. Yeah. Oh. So I've seen an episode here and there. Um, Your mom. My mom. <laughs> In quotation marks. I'm doing quote. air quotes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, At least I admitted to watching it on my own, Kyle. Come on now. Uh, when I, What's when I the watch shame it, in it? It's an amazing show. When I, I watch Shits it Creek. on my own, I'll fess up to watching it on my own. Thank you very much. Uh, um, in terms of like actually watch sitting down and watching shit, I haven't done much of that this year. Um, I don't know what it could be. Um, it could be me distraught over the one thing that I was looking forward to this year being consistently pushed back. Um, um, no, no. they released, they released Mulan. No, shut up. Uh. Um, so there's that. But uh, no, I've been just like collecting vinyl, listening to music, and which vinyls? Ooh, all of them. Put your put your music, your music taste to the test. Okay, 
So I've got uh three Foo Fighter records. Um, one is their latest one, Concrete and Gold. Um, I got the I got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, the greatest hits. It's awesome. I got an Elvis record. I got the Beatles. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much like an anthology of like their of their works over the years, which is also pretty cool. We uh, said uh we said your records, not your grandpa's. No, these are my records, my records <laughs> that I bought. Um, let me see. What else do I have? I have uh, I have what's it called? What's it? I have David Bowie. Nothing, nothing has changed. It's pretty much like his his collection, his version of the greatest hits. Like he personally selected them, which he thought were the greatest hits. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. Um, let me see. I got Nirvana. I got a Nirvana record. I got Boxcar Racer. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, but the Boxcar Racer is a offspring of Blink-182. Uh, and it's pretty good. There, It's Tom DeLonge's uh, 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 own work. I like it. It's really good. Um, of course, me being a Guardians of the Galaxy nut in the soundtrack, I had to get Volume 1 and 2 on, um, on vinyl. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky on vinyl is fucking killer. I love it. Um, One of the best songs ever made, uh, Mr. Blue Sky. I got uh, I got Misfits. It's just called Misfits. Um, it's a it's. A, I know what Misfits is. Okay. 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 Well, it's it's because you don't know music. Just because I'm not wearing eyeliner doesn't mean I don't know what <laughs> Misfits is. Um, let me see. What else? Oh, I got Elton John's uh, Diamonds. Um, oh my god, it's it's, it's it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I also I got um, I don't know if you heard about this artist, um, Peter. Mm. Um, her name is Billie Eilish. <laughs> Billie Eilish. Oh uh, god, I tried to do. I tried to do. <laughs> well, what accent was that? Were you trying to do Irish? <laughs> I tried to do Irish and came out sounding Indian. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Billy Irish. I can't do accents. I'm sorry. Um, when we fall asleep, where do I we go? I prefer Scottish. It's a Scottish. beautiful, it's like color yellow mm. and it is, it, it, it's, it's so good. <laughs> the sound is yellow. The sound is yellow okay. and it all yellow. I need to get a Coldplay one. That reminds me. Oh God. Um, I got, I, I got Lord's Pure Heroin. <laughs> um, it is, it's yeah, really yeah, yeah. I, am oh, I am Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. South Park. Um also I got Adele's twenty one. It she, like god damn, that woman sounds timeless. You didn't get twenty uh, five? Uh no, it's twenty four. Oh, she's not at twenty five yet. Okay. I'm pretty sure she passed twenty five, but she's yet to release. Uh it just depends on what year, um, what age she is when uh anyway. Um, um what else? What else do I have? Oh, I got Lady Gaga's The Fame. Good stuff. Good stuff. It has all her early stuff in it. And it's you didn't really get good. Chromatica yet? Chromatica, not yet. I haven't pushed 911 on that shit yet. So <laughs> That's a track off of Chromatica. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't listened if to you, it. Yeah. If you're a real Lady Gaga fan. If you're Apparently, a real monster. I'm not. Apparently, I'm not. <laughs> Um, I got Sinatra. I got some Sinatra. I got Miles Davis kind of blue. Um, it's just a 
good jazz album great jazz album um i got rolling stones hot rocks uh some girls uh and more like i i i have a lot of records it's 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 really good. oh greece greece uh the first 13 james bond themes um <laughs> so those were the records uh judges and so many more <laughs> trash that's four, it four four out of ten B for effort. Okay. What makes it four <laughs> out of ten and not a zero out of ten? Um you had the 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 luck of the Eilish. Oh, my oh Billie God. Eilish? You like Billie Eilish? I thought you Yeah. I thought you didn't like like her stuff. She's smart. I like that. She is smart. She wrote, uh, like, that whole entire album was made in her bedroom. I th- oh. I think that's freaking metal. Speaking of being smart, Peter, um, how do you feel your, your thoughts on Cardi B have aged? What do you mean? Because I feel like, didn't she say something very negative about Cardi B when she was first, like, uh, coming on the scene? That yeah, she was, absolutely. She, rep- <laughs> she represented the worst of something. Um, Probably and- society. And yet she ended up being a big socialist, you know, Bernie bro, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I don't know. People change. Wow. Okay. Is well, that okay. This is the thing. When she first popped on the scene, she didn't get famous for her music. She got famous for being on a reality show, uh, Love and Hip As you do. Yeah, as you do. And, and where all you do is just... Her whole shtick was just being loud and saying as, you know, crazy shit as you could come to your head, you know. And then that kind of pushed her music career. And then people, like, so much of my life where it's people come out, say or do crazy shit, and then people kind of laugh and then make them a celebrity because of that. That's what happened. Or president. Or president. Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. <laughs> By the way, that's why I was so pissed off at you and everyone else when we've everyone... We've had this discussion. Yeah, we've I know. Had, we've, we, we, I think we, we've, we've I will die mad. This. I will die mad, okay? <laughs> I was so pissed off when everyone was just like, oh, oh, that Trump, he's so crazy. And I'm like, no, it's fucking serious. Uh, re- remember, who's that fucking girl on Dr. Phil? Catch me outside. Oh, How about that? Oh, bad, uh, bad baby. And then she became famous for being a shit kid that got on Dr. Phil. Speaking and of just which, saying crazy I, shit. Speaking um, of which, uh, reality uh, shit, after 20 seasons, keeping up with the Kardashians is ending. There's another one, right? But my whole thing is like... When's the sequel getting greenlit with, greenlit with Kanye? Who? I'll watch that. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, like I just I, easy with easy. <laughs> they should do that show. I think it would be very, very popular. I he would do some crazy shit and say some crazy shit that would get it canceled like two episodes in. Yeah, he really would. Um, but yeah, so especially at that time, I was just like that kind of shit pissed me off. But like since then, 
using her fame and money and power, she's been pushing a lot of great things. And you can tell she actually thinks about the shit um, that she pushes for, which is great. So it's like, yeah, okay, she's awesome. It's sort of like uh, when Kim Kardashian was like, oh, I'm going to try and become a lawyer. And people were shitting on her. And it's like, I'm not a fan of Kim Kardashian, but if she wants to become a lawyer, like, cool, like, go for it. <laughs> it's tough. I don't know if you'll be able to do it, but if you, like, I don't know why I would put you down for trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember, like, the main thing that she did on her platform was, like, you know, uh, Bernie and I, we have different nails, but that doesn't mean, you know, we see eye to eye on, uh, on these ish on social issues, you know, and I thought that was really smart, you know, using, using something like that, you know, to that vein, you know? Well, yeah. Well, well, yeah Cause I, I heard some of her interviews with Bernie and then she even did one with Joe Biden. Yeah. And she she didn't come off dumb at all like she she had very specific questions and she had a pretty good understanding of what it is politically she would like to see happen which is more than i think most people in this country uh so yeah I don't the world keeps moving i don't know what to tell you Alexis, stop avoiding it. What did you watch? Oh, uh, no, wait, Kyle. Hmm. Was that it? Just music? Yeah, just been, I've just been collecting music and listening to music. Oh, I listened last night in its entirety to Dua Lipa. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, her album, Future Nostalgia. I I thought like oh it's it's another one of those you know top fifty you know uh you know artists you know that are in the billboards and all that stuff and I was like but then I was like listening to it and I'm like dude there's like complex beats that haven't been done since like the like the disco days you know and I and I was like actually really digging the the shit she was throwing down so. For, I, for being a music snob, you sure do like popular music. Okay, when it harkens back <laughs> to, like, different eras, that's when I'm like, okay, like, freaking, uh, like, freaking Billie Eilish's record that she did, it's freaking, it throws it back to, like, garage, uh, garage tech, you know, because she just did it in her room. I think that is awesome and her lyrics are deep and everything like that and it's really dark too i mean so (laughs) i hate mainstream movies oh me my favorite director christopher nolan why'd you ask there's so much i could say (laughs) but i won't um (laughs) i just won't (laughs) uh to what you said peter not what kyle said to be clear about that, because that was, you know, fuck Nolan. Um, so, yeah, uh, I watched the Emmys uh, telecast. Um, oh, I thought we decided they... that doesn't count. Well, I mean, you know, differences of opinion, I guess. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I mean, really. Uh, you know, 
The Emmys was actually a broadcast I hadn't viewed in a couple of years. And mainly because that was just uh, almost relatively useless to me because there was just nothing that caught my interest. And then overall, the Emmys are kind of a worse production than the Oscars. And, you know, when the Oscars are bad, they can be pretty bad. Um, but in truth, I hadn't seen uh, an Emmys telecast in several years. But I wanted to see this one because I was very fucking curious how the fuck they were going to do it. Uh, because obviously we're in the age of COVID and we've seen other, you know, industries adapt to how to do uh, live broadcasts and presentations with it. So I was mostly curious to see how it would look like because we knew that, uh, and I think we, we talked about it on the show, that, that the Academy, uh, the Film Academy, was going to be watching closely to see if they're going to be able to, they're going to base how successful or not this model was uh, if they were going to do their own broadcast in the spring. I already got a little bit of like what it would be like because um, I watched in passing, mind you, um, the American Country Music Awards. They had that recently? They had that recently, yeah. I just watched it because Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani were playing. Well, I know they had the Video Music Awards and they had that big performance with Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. How do they do that? With the performers, I guess they were all oh, in different the locations. V- the VMA, yeah, they yeah. were all they were all tested um, and everything like that, and uh, they wore. They're masks. the rich. They have fifteen second tests. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, oh look, yeah. So that's how they're able to get it done. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the, and then also with the um, with the country music awards, like they would have um, like one. One artist will be in a auditorium of their hometown or something like that, and they'll be there with no audience and all that stuff, and they'd play there. Um, Taylor Swift was actually on the um, on the CMAs. I was actually surprised. I'm like, wow, she's going back country. Um, <laughs> but okay, uh, and then uh, and they would have. I don't know if you know the ins and outs of the whole thing, but they would have the award, like a representative with the award outside in the announcement that they would win. Mm. Um, and they would hand the award once they announce that you're on and you're going on and they would hand you the award. And that's how they did it with the Emmys as well. Yeah. They had uh, literally people outside their homes like stalkers and these freakishly gruesome um hazmat suits um with emmys in case they won but for many people they didn't win they were just like they waved (laughs) by i think it was rami Youssef who shared on twitter that their person was like bye and then they just walk away with the emmy it was so close how (laughs) fucked up is that (laughs) i think that's funnier to be honest (laughs) oh my god because it was so close you know it was it could have been right there and then Nope, they they drive away with your so far. They're like, bye, Emmy. (laughs) Honestly, I gotta say, I was very impressed with the telecast. I had very low expectations and I was expecting a big fuck up because this has never been attempted before, at least on their part. And to be quite frank, I don't think their previous presentations, the Emmys in particular, have been all that impressive. Um Jimmy Kimmel, I think, is a great host. I am not fond of his comedy. 
Uh, it doesn't really land as mu- as much for me, but um, it didn't land any less than any other year, I guess, with Jimmy Kimmel. It's the same stuff. Um, I never really get a laugh out of it. I guess I was just more... Um, I was just really enraptured in it and trying to like, all right, this is interesting. This is working-ish to an extent. I could see this being pulled off. I think in some ways, and I may sound crazy, the show felt... I don't know, less long. It, it it felt kind of more international in a way, with more personable, you know, going to people's homes. The one thing I think that was sacrificed was with no live audience, you can't do a monologue and land all that well. He did have clips of past Emmy shows. And I think you, so when the telecast opened and you see Jimmy Kimmel walk on stage, he walks out to an empty auditorium, but they they show clips of, you know, past audiences, you know, from, you know, past award shows. And I mean, you think you can catch on pretty quickly. That was a joke. But um, yeah, now, overall, it, though, I, I kind of loved this better than any other way, except for the comedy, of course. <laughs> comedy it's, is subjective, uh, it's I guess. Pretty darn funny. How all these like millionaire comedians who have like these talk shows and sell out all this and that household names, you take away their audience and they fucking flounder. Like they don't know how to tell jokes without an audience. You can tell it so bad. Like all these late night show host except john oliver because he doesn't really rely on john, yeah john oliver has is actually done it the best out of all of them but like they it's especially at the beginning of quarantine you saw the shows they would try to do and it was like bad like 2000 i don't know 13 youtube shit like <laughs> And it's like, and it's like I I'm subscribed to YouTube channels that are so much funnier than this without an mm-hmm. audience. But they also <laughs> have the quality. There's so many great YouTube yeah. channels that have like the amazing camera and effects, and and they have the resolution. These network shows could not compare at all. It was like TikTok stars and celebrities, fucking 480p, you know, shit jokes designed exclusively for an audience where they'd say it and there'd be like a pause. And then they'd keep going. And it's like, you know, you're in your house alone. Why are you pausing? But it's just so drilled into them. Like, it's it's so funny to me. That's what's so interesting. I agree with you like that. Watching the adaption is what's so interesting. Like, how is it that like, I, I don't know. It's so funny that like TikTok stars and celebrities, like they're like infinitely more funnier than actual professional, quote unquote, professional comedians. Well, I mean, I I don't know about TikTok stars. From what I've heard, they're all Chinese infiltrators into this country. So, oh my god, or throwing uh, house parties in L.A. and getting their water shut off for it. Good. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, um, yeah. It's really interesting. I is the Oscars even going to happen? It better happen. I feel there's a there's a uh, better chance of it happening now. 
I think overall the industry was impressed that there weren't any major fuck ups with the presentation, um, okay. considering what was at stake. And you had all those Zoom calls in. I think an added advantage, at least what I preferred um, with this setting, is as far as the acceptance speeches are concerned, they were better. They, I think, in in, in some way. You didn't have the audience laughing or cheering on the interrupted, the kind of drag on these speeches, and they weren't played off either, you know, uh, which I think oftentimes can rub people the wrong way. And it's never a good look when you're played off, you know, remember when Parasite was played off at the end? Uh, oh, you know, yeah. Those after winning best picture. So like, you don't have any of those, like you know, fuck ups getting in the way. And they, and because you know, like Regina King or like Mark Ruffalo gave some amazing speeches just from their couch and they were so empowering and I think better in that format than they would be in a live audience. So, cause they're you know. also comfortable. Yeah. And there's no like massive audience there to like make you feel like, Oh, so it's like us right now. We're in our homes and we're, looking at a camera but it doesn't feel like yeah. we're looking at a camera so we just say whatever we want and it's like there it, it lessens the formality of it all yeah 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 i think yeah 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 i am lord also you don't have to worry about what you're gonna freaking dress like you know some of like them don't trip nice. on anything you know yeah and stuff like that poor jennifer lawrence yeah no well i mean she had a good laugh about that but no, I, I think overall it was a success. It was fun. Um, and as far as the winners are concerned, they weren't really a surprising succession. Oh, we uh, don't have to get a, into the winners. Well, I think we, we should. Succession had a couple of big wins. You, uh, you know, claim to like the show very much, uh, Peter. It's a good show, I hear, yeah. I hear great things about it. Everyone loved Watchmen and so did the Emmys, apparently. It swept almost uh, for the limited series program. I really liked Watchmen too. Yeah. And of course, like, uh, the thing that I was happy about, um, the no, Mandalorian, I mean, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, oh God, yes, the Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> it won seven Emmys. Can you believe that? Seven Emmys, Mandalorian. Uh, why? <laughs> well, I saw that it won for like score and the, the score is good. I th no, I agree with. It. I think the score is great. There were some I think deserved. I think almost all of them were deserved. Like I had production design, cinematography, visual effects, score, sound design, sound mixing. Whoever, like it was all technical. Whoever fucking designed that CG circle thing deserves oh. five anime Emmys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, I I I I don't know if it was another show or a movie had said that they were going to utilize that technology. Maybe it was like Tychus, Star Wars, or another show. I thought it was Marvel. Is it, is it Marvel? a Marvel show? Maybe it was a Marvel show that said it, but that they were going to... Well, I mean, if they're going to do a Tron show... I'm telling you. Or maybe even no, a Tron movie. They said they were going for the movie. So, I don't know. But I'd, I'd much rather there be a Tron movie than a show, to be honest. Mm, have you seen the Tron show? If not, oh. you can hear our review on To the Table, Tron Uprising, which, uh, if I'm being honest, I loved that a lot more than either of the films. Um, it's a good show. It's a good show. So uh, I, I, I think it, it, it was nominated, and I think it did win an Emmy mm -hmm. uh, when it was on, because it was good. It was like a really, really good show. You win an Emmy, and then you, your show's over. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> 
that 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 kind of seems to happen. Um, <laughs> you see the Netflix board saying "Mission accomplished." We did it, guys. All right, <laughs> cancel it. Yeah, that's a, that that continues to be a theme. Like Netflix gets so many nominations every year for both the Emmys and the Oscars, but they keep getting shut out of like the big wins. They have yet to win anything for like, uh, uh, you know, at the Emmys for best drama or best comedy or best picture at the Oscars. And I can't feel like, you know, those rumors you hear about an anti-Netflix like bias out there by those respective academies has to have some kind of truth. Ozark only won one Emmy out of like 17 plus nominations. That's also a show I think you watch, Peter. Better Call Saul. (laughs) What the fuck? Has never won an Emmy. Not one. I think it was one. four or five years, Better Call Saul. And neither has BoJack Horseman, which just finished its uh, six-season run on Netflix as well. Lost to Rick and Morty, which, I mean, hey, Rick and Morty, it's great. So. I, BoJack was better. Uh, I guess if you go along with the theme of the show, the fact that I didn't win is somewhat um, on fitting. point. Fitting. <laughs> But Better Call Saul, it had like over a hundred nominations or something like that. A lot. They've had a lot of nominations. And no wins. What the fuck? It it had even less nominations this year because I don't even think, what's his name? Um, Bob Odenkirk was nominated this year for Best Actor. They just kind of gave up. Yeah. Although they did nominate Giancarlo Esposito for both Mandalorian and for uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, (laughs) he does nothing the mandalorian what the fuck he gives a monologue he holds up the the dark saber oh uh, (laughs) they they if they like you they like you You know how bullshit these people are you know he must be fun at parties (laughs) (laughs) double nominee but you know the irony here is about the point about netflix in reality, they did win big because Shit's Creek wouldn't have won as big if it weren't for Netflix. Because from what I heard from um, a lot of the web uh, streams that, I, that I, from Gold Derby is that Shit's Creek really blew up this year because it dropped on Netflix, especially among the Emmy voter uh, branch. Yeah. And it had all those nominations. Um, and if it weren't for it, Shit's Creek... Because it it aired on the former TV Guide Network, which rebranded as Pop TV, which I don't think anyone knows they have or watches Mm -hmm. uh, for six years. Um, And before this telecast, they had won nothing. They had won no – I'm not even sure they were nominated for much of anything. And then all of a sudden, it comes out of nowhere, and it practically wins every single category. Like That was a historic sweep. All of the actors, Annie Murphy, Catherine Dan, O'Hara, Eugene Dan Levy. Levy, Dan Levy. Dan Levy won for acting, writing, and directing comedy. And of course, the and series one. comedy won. series one. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a, that's a major sweep. And I have to say, like. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. No, I, I, I said a week's, I think months ago at this point when I watched Shit's Creek, how, um in love with that I was and I think you guys could tell from all the gifts that I was sending it, annoyingly so no. something must have I don't know I just find it interesting how both of you found your way to watching bits and pieces here and there of Shit's Creek and because it was like, on Netflix yeah and it was yeah. and it's good um, um the win- the one thing I could take away from like 
the uh, its prominence in pop culture right now is like i love the message that he has for like um for the lgbtq you know community mm-hmm. and everything like that and i love the the message and everything like that i mean the uh, i saw a couple of episodes that you know the episode that uh, i think was like highly praised was uh, when um when a certain character came out to their parents and i think that was huge and i think that's a huge episode um to have um the cast is wonderful uh uh eugene and dan like i i was like dan levy is he eugene levy's son and the the dead (laughs) giveaway was not just because his name was levy but (laughs) the the eyebrows no the eyebrows the eyebrows got me i was like like that's that's definitely Eugene Levy's eyebrows. Um, but like this, the, it's a charming show. The cast and everything. Oh my God, Catherine O'Hara. Like, what the hell? Like, you, I, I could see why you're, you know, you gravitate towards her because you both. I mean, have it, a flair for the dramatics. It, it's kind of like to me. Um, it, it's a similar attraction to a Lucille Bluth or a Cersei Lannister. Although in this case, Myra Rose is like a legitimately much better person as a character than those other horrible people were. You know. Are you trying to say you're a spicy menopausal woman at heart? I yeah. mean. Perhaps, I mean, I love those characters, Um, you know, no, but Moira was great. But, you know, the thing about this show and what was so, I think, important for me and I think why it's kind of resonating, resonating with so many people, it's comfort food. It's kind of like that thing you want right now to make you, it's that feel good show in a very dark and depressing year. Um, And I... I, I said this to you, the comedy is one of those I feel like where, you know, the, a sitcom anyway, where this, like the characters grow uh, and develop as they go along, at least the lead characters. And it's just, you know, it's just so happy for them personally. I think this is Catherine O'Hara's first, like, competitive, or her, her first Emmy for acting. It's so this funny. One- In her speech, <laughs> she was going to thank the Academy Awards and, like, well, she- she caught herself because she was she was saying I would like to thank the I like she was trying to say Academy, but then she like she was like uh, and then she switched it to like I don't know Academy of the Emmys or something like that. Some people say TV Academy uh, when they accept uh-huh. their Emmy. No, that was just a funny moment, though, I noticed when looking at her acceptance speech. It was so on character for her, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, would for Myra <laughs> she, Rose. She pretty much played herself in the oh show. Oh, my God. It, 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 it's crazy. I'm just happy for for both you know her and Eugene. They're veteran actors, and they hadn't like gotten this much praise since like the 80s. Also, what's her name? Annie Murphy? Like, she, oh, my God, like, yes. She was like two years retired. She quit. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she was just like, "I'm gonna just do this one," and then boom, she 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 got it. It was know? so big for her. I um, some people were thinking as the ceremony was going along because I mean it looked obviously like it was gonna be a big a big night for Shit's Creek, but there were some people that were thinking, "Oh God, I hope Annie Murphy isn't the only one that doesn't get an Emmy and the and the other cast." You know what? Like what what would it look like if she were the only one that didn't win uh, her category? Especially it's, since they all had like a like a 
a watch party and they, they went okay. uh-huh. you know to I them. was I was gonna ask about that because uh-huh. they showed all the, the nominees and they were all clearly in different places. And some of the nominees were just sitting, you know, on their couch at home. But with them, they Except had Shit's this Creek. extravagant, like, <laughs> like so fucking extravagant, like with the the tables and the chair. Like at first, I had assumed, like, oh, I guess they just had them in the audience there. Like I thought, like that w- they were at the place where the Emmys were taking place because it's this extravagant thing. They're all dressed up really nice. There's multiple tables, and I thought the camera just happened to be at them at their table but then they showed the other nominees and i'm like oh wait like did they do this for themselves like what's going on here that's very much a rose uh family thing (laughs) i mean i I guess if you if you're going to like um speculate on it perhaps they could have informed uh the schitt's creek people hey you might want to throw a little something for yourself. I think it's going to be a very we're, good night for you, you know? We're going to dump of, it all on on you guys, maybe. so um, get ready. Or, I mean, I mean, the official word is they they did have, that that particular venue was only for the Schitt's Creek production and everybody, and obviously. Um, I guess they were able to do that because they're in Canada, and they're, like, a lot better than we are with coronavirus, because, you know, the show is mm-hmm. Canadian, so... Mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess. Um, but they had their masks on, so, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> but I just thought that was... Um, it was funny. It was funny. It's like going to, like, a party and you're dressed in a suit and tie. And everyone's just wearing, like, a t-shirt and jeans. And it's like, oh, I thought it was... <laughs> I know. I thought it was that, formal. That's very, that's very on character, you know, on character with the roses because they... Can't, went to a small town and all this stuff, dressed you know lavishly and everything like that. So, <laughs> but I I guess I feel like if you're one of the other shows where right. you're just at home with the hazmat suit, you know, with the the thing, and then there's these other people with their extravagant, uh, you know, seating and all this, and they're just winning award after award after award, and everyone else is just like. What the, f- <laughs> what the you, fuck am I doing here? What am I doing why am here? I, why what? am I on this call? And there were some, throughout the night, there were some actors that were like, fuck this shit. The one that I felt bad for the bad for the, the most was when they got to best, I think, supporting actress drama. Helena Bonham Carter stayed up to four in the morning because she's in, you know, London. Oh, man. And she didn't win oh. um, her category for The Crown. That sucks. <laughs> Uh, but it's okay because the Mandalorian won. <laughs> no, but look, I mean, I was just so happy for Shit's Creek, and you know what? It was look not to you know to steal uh, Zendaya's you know word for it. Yeah. But oh, it, dude, like she was so happy. I, I honestly I was, I was happy. happy for her. I was happy for her. I mean, that was a great moment. But I was euphoria was exactly the word that I was in. I mean, wow, win after win after win uh, for shits. I was just so. And I wow. hear that show is really good too. Euphoria, euphoria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My sister oh. Erica, she's all over that shit. Oh yeah, it well because it's like um. <sighs> It's like that, um, it very much is the fucking Gen Z, like, high school show. Like, I don't, I don't know what you would consider, like, that kind of show in the past. 
Um, Maybe something new of this generation. No, no, no. But there has been shows where it's like, fuck, what was that old show from the 90s? Saved by the Bell? (laughs) No, not Saved by the Bell. I'm thinking more uh, risque. Boy Meets World? I'm kidding. (laughs) Boy Meets World. Fuck. Full House. No. Are we all children? Have we not watched any show that's over TV 14 reading? God damn it. I'm trying to think. Uh, this ain't oh, Riverdale. <laughs> uh, 90210. Oh, that one. Do you remember that? That was like... Yeah. But that was like in the 90s. Right. Where Gossip it's like the, Girl. Where it was like that that teenage show where... Like Gossip Girl, Gilmore Girls risque kind of thing. Shit. Probably not, well, not Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Not no. Gilmore Girls. Pretty Little Liars. Yeah, Pretty, Pretty Little, Little Liars. Liars. Probably like that. But but it's on HBO, obviously, so it's drug use and all There's that. more shit involved. And sex. Like and I think Zendaya was the youngest person to win. Um, yeah, she's, yeah, she's the youngest person to win an Emmy. And that's good news for Dune. Uh, they, they bet, you know, Zendaya was already big, but I mean, her, I mean, her star is rising um, and, you know, they can promote her which they did in the trailer which we'll discuss for but she's thriving post disney channel and i like it oh yeah but i think in many cases they do because disney's there's a weird thing going on with disney and their stars and they we're not going to get into that yeah Um, no but like she hasn't mentally cracked or anything like that and (laughs) all that stuff so i think that's i like her yeah she she's zenday uh, duh, kind of thing, and I like, I like it. I like it. She's she's thriving. I love it. A lot of people of color did win last night, so I was very appreciative of that. And um, I was actually very moved. I didn't catch by, that last part. Yeah. I assume angry. <sighs> Hello. He's. Oh, he died. He's so frozen, he started to sing Let It Go. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Sorry. I was going to say, uh, I was very appreciative to see something. We had, to, we had to cut him off, because uh, we don't condone that sort of language on this show. Oh, go ahead. He's back. I am? All right. I was going to say that I was very appreciative of uh, a lot of... You know, representation at the Emmys, and that I was very moved by Tyler Perry's um, award that he was given uh, for being a self-made black man uh, in Hollywood. That's That's cool. Okay. Um, On with trailers? Well, we got some stuff before we get to the trailers. Um, Do we'll, we we'll get to them pretty soon. Yeah. Um, although, fine. Let's go to the trailers then. Um, let's talk about Dune. Dune, 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 Dune. Dune! Dune! <laughs> Arrakis. Ho- home... Of the spice melange. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, we were going to talk I, about the trailer last week. 
but Alexis specifically um, made sure that that didn't happen. So, and I'm I'll glad. make sure to drop the text messages I share with Peter afterward that confirm that Peter Martinez was also completely forgetting the fact that we didn't talk about uh, Dune. So, I'll be attaching those to the post of this podcast. And let it be known that Alexis J. Soto is a snake and a blabbermouth. Um, <laughs> Dune, directed by Denis Evanier. <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I really, I this is great. It's good. That's a good trailer. Uh, oh boy, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um. <laughs> I don't want to get into specifics necessarily, but everything looks really, really good. Knowing the story, I know there's a lot of things that we haven't been shown, but like the little things that we have seen in my mind, it's just like, yes. When I read the book, it's like, yes, this, 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 this is it. I love it. Um, like this is the dune you've been wanting. Yeah. The only, and I saw some people point this out. It's, it's a little color palette drab. And to mm. me, dune mm-hmm. was always, a, even though it was like, obviously desert planet, it was a little more bright, more yellowish in my head. Uh, but like, that's it. <laughs> like the way Ridley Scott directed, uh, the Martian. Yeah, or like some Mad Max shit. <laughs> mm. I just, I in my mind, the the colors always popped a bit more, but everything else is just, I I just need to see it. I need to see it's it. It's a yesterday. It's a Denny Villeneuve film. It's mm-hmm. gonna be grayscale. You know that. That's yeah. That's true. That, I mean, if you but, look at Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Arrival, yeah. Prisoners, it's very particular palette of color. Blade Runner popped though. They're, they're in yeah. places, in places, in, in places. Okay, like San Francisco, oh, and oh. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco. Which you know, in real life, that's what it looks like today. Oh God, is it sad that I would prefer the Blade Runner future? Um, <laughs> oh, a world with replicants. Um, but yeah, uh, it the it looked. Gorgeous. I, I mean, it, Peter was absolutely right when it was like it, it uh, like it didn't show a lot. Um, by the way, halfway through the audio audio book, um, uh, are you Peter, now? Okay, interesting. I, mm-hmm. I am because I've been because wa- I've been trying to get more familiar with with Dune before I go see it so i i yeah um everything shown isn't even halfway through the book yeah but this is a good template of showing you what kind of you know film this is going to be what kind of adaption it is um what kind you know it, it just gives you a flavor of the world of dune and i think that is uh utterly fantastic i think um and like the cast the cast is freaking great everybody looks freaking awesome in there except for Stellan skarsgård he looks but they, that's the way he's supposed to look whoa whoa uh, whoa, whoa whoa you fat shaman no no it's just the, the way that 
he's supposed to look all like gray and just like all that stuff scary look scary so you just um, have an issue with his skin oh color. my god no uh, stop <laughs> um but like it, it, it's just like don't it make it so really easy good. okay keep going it looked really good like this whole thing uh uh yeah yeah it's really good the star power uh, is oh my god it is off the charts is what this is i think uh I love Denny Villeneuve as a filmmaker. I think Nolan's got nothing on him, if I'm being real right now with you. I um, want Denny Villeneuve to do a Bond film. Battle of the Bombs. <laughs> Who's doing the score to Dune? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It I could be Hans look. Zimmer. It's it probably, probably is it's Hans, probably Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Um, He's apparently anyway. the only one that works in Hollywood. <laughs> he really works, though. I think this trailer was perfect. Because uh, it really not only flaunted the size it of Zimmer. its cast. Sorry. But it is it, Hans Zimmer. I mean, just the sheer star power of it. And from the interactions to the couple lines of dialogue from the inter- – because the whole thing was being narrated by that sequence with Timothy Chalamet's character and then whoever that woman, which person was, about uh, you know his father and what's what's to come on Arrakis and the – That's the, literally the first couple pages. Right. The, the, impending, the impending doom that's supposed to happen. I'm all in on this movie. I was just on the concept, but when you added this filmmaker onto it, and then when we saw all those stars attached to it, this trailer just tells you maybe more so than most trailers, more so than I think even Matt Reeves, and I think he is going to do a home run when it comes to the Batman. You know this movie is in the best possible hands it could be with Denis Villeneuve. I think this really is something special. Yeah. Uh, like I it it really is just sort of a once a generation type thing. I I think it can can be cuz the cast is just pitch perfect. Like it is firing on all cylinders. You have, you know, Hans Zimmer, biggest composer arguably uh of this generation working in in movies and Denis Villeneuve who seems literally incapable of not making a less than amazing film. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's given the time, the budget, you know, all the money to be able to actually do it correctly. Can we say it real quick? I'm just so, so grateful that Warner Brothers did like hired him because there were People out there that were saying, why would you give Denis Villeneuve a, a budget like this after the failure that was Blade Runner 2049? And fuck mm. those people, because that was a great movie. Yeah. But And it was so disappointing when that movie made no money. But the fact that he's able to keep getting these big movies is hopeful, you know, in a way. Well, oh, fuck. Uh, I'm going to jinx it. I don't care. I'll knock on wood right here. Uh, this <laughs> This movie does hinge his entire career though because either 
it's a failure, in which case he will never be trusted with a big budget ever again. From a creative standpoint? Uh-huh. Oh, you mean if just from a pure financial yeah, from standpoint? from a pure, pure financial right. standpoint. He will never be trusted with a big budget again. Or it's a hit, in which case, you, he you know, it. every idiot with a YouTube channel would be like, you know who should do this remake? Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it would be like what Jaws was for Spielberg? Yeah, it, it's it's a make or break career move. Like either he gets to make whatever he wants for the rest of his career, or he doesn't have. <laughs> like I I mean, well at least not in like big budget films. He he'll still be able to get smaller films made. Mm-hmm. And that sucks because I want to wish fulfillment. Um, I want to see him do Bond. I feel like everyone you want to do Bond is a good director, but just doesn't fit Bond. I disagree. Uh, I think Nolan can do a good Bond Nolan movie. can do Bond. He basically did, I guess, with Tenet. But, like, <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I think Nolan would be perfect for Bond. But Villeneuve, I don't... Mm. Well, like, the way that um, Villeneuve is... I mean, I, I equate him as, like, his work with, like, something like what Sam Mendes do, did with... Um, 1917? With, no, with uh, with Skyfall and Spectre oh. and all that stuff. And I'm pretty sure that he'll give, like, the same flavor that, you know, that's been bestowed upon with that generation. And I think that that would... Um, I think that would be a perfect way to segue into um, what with what Denny has to offer. Okay, and- when I say this, you can't get offended because I said the exact same thing when Star Wars came up for, with him directing a Star Wars. Um, I just think he's above the material. I think a better and maybe nicer <laughs> way of saying it, Peter, would be. It would be hard to see Denis Villeneuve being interested in Bond or Star Wars. But I love Star Wars. But even then, I'm like, I, he, I, he's just not the right fit for Star Wars. I don't think he can do anything with Star Wars. He's too good for that shit. It's, it's just, just not, it's just not his, his cup of thing. tea. It's not the, it's not the thing he makes. Um, and I think it's the same with Bond. Like, if you look at all of Denis, Denis Villeneuve's movies, they are like basically all character pieces at their heart and dune works because dune is this very political type film that so focuses very um it focuses very much on one character the main character paul paul atreides yeah. So I think it, it it works to his sensibilities, but unless you're having a Bond film where like seventy percent of the film is this character study, I just don't think it works. Because at that point, it's not even a Bond film. Okay, but you could do something interesting though. I mean, you look at you. Oh, sorry. Go on. Sorry. No, no. Continue. Sorry, Alexis. <laughs> I wanted to get um, off this Bond discussion because, I mean, this is Dune. Uh, we can have this for another day. We're not going to get around it. I mean, the whole character thing or whatever. The, the point is this. 
to Peter's point about how important this movie is for Denny Villeneuve. Before there was a pandemic, we were very, I mean, I was very concerned about how this movie would perform because pure science fiction blockbusters like these are so punished for just existing by the common box office audience, it seems like, for, you know, for better or for worse, oftentimes for worse. And I hate that, but that seems to be the case more than often. What was promising was that Warner Brothers was pushing this hard, which meant that they recognized, you know, what they had to just, you know, spend as much money as they could on it. Post-coronavirus, I became even more concerned because, oh, God, I, I don't fuck it up. Please don't fuck it up. And the closer and closer, because we're now in September, end of September, uh, the release date is supposed to be mid-December uh, for Dune. And this ties in with Wonder Woman being pushed again from October to Christmas Day. And the Hollywood Reporter was saying that Warner Brothers at the moment, let me be real here with you, I can't believe that they're thinking this because it's just so stupid. But the Hollywood Reporter is saying that WB told them that they believe that they can release both Dune and Wonder Woman at the same time with them being the only movies available for theaters and be and do gangbusters. And I could think of no worser fate for Dune if that ends up being true. Because, I mean, you know what's going to happen. If anyone's going to go, any, meeny, miny, mo, Wonder Woman, duh. And then no one's going to go anyway because there's a pandemic going on. If you haven't seen the revenue at the weekly box office. Yeah, um, Tenet might have sealed a lot of movie theaters' fates. Because they had to open up, and then Tenet made zero fucking dollars, and now they have to remain opened up. And they're just going to be bleeding and bleeding until December, if the movies don't get pulled. Um, this is just bad all around. I'm really worried for Dune. I, I, it was already the little movie that could before this, but now it's like... In the fuck. best of circumstances, it yeah. was the little movie that could. But now, I... Please just kick it to next December, I would say. Kick it as far away as you can. <laughs> because it needs to make money. And and it just, it won't, it won't make money. It just won't. Although a part of me would feel good if uh, Dune was the thing that saved cinema <laughs> and not did it. <laughs> but I, I'd also rather just people not die. So kick that shit back. I hope they do. And I, I would think so, because it just seems like it's a no-brainer. The, the studios don't release two of their biggest films within a week span of each other for, like, the same reason that BVS didn't come out the same day as Civil War. You take money from each other. You'd lose money. A lot of things seemed obvious in all this, but we also know that's not how it went down. No. No. Anything else for Dune? Before we move on to No Time to Die, um, looking forward to it. I, yeah, very much a so. Great trailer. Um, I wish it all the best. I can't wait to see it when this pandemic is over. Because um, I also don't think they're going to go the PVOD route because that's been proven 
not that well for Warner Brothers either. So I don't think that's on the table as well. If anyone was asking if they would do like streaming, that's no, not hell happen. no, that's not gonna happen. No, because um, that's a lot of money. You're just setting on fire. All right, so new, uh, no time to die. Uh, got a new trailer recently from a few weeks back because supposedly they're still on for November, and that would and to be clear, what Peter was just referencing, every other major studio has pulled their movies, so there are no new movies coming out until seemingly Bond and Beyond. I mean, sorry, not Bond and Beyond. That's a podcast. Seemingly <laughs> Bond Twenty Five, No Time to Die. Um, so Kyle, uh, talk about your feelings on the new trailer. I will say for me, as someone who's not a Bond enthusiast, but likes the films, at least the James Bond, the, the Daniel Craig era films, um, I think it looks really good. Uh, and it, it, it's giving off the sense that they're going to close off this chapter it, with a bang. I, I love the cast. I love how it really showed off, you know, Leah Sadu and um, Lashana Lynch and Ana de Armas in particular. Um, it may be the most women featured in a Bond trailer maybe ever. So I took note of that. Um, the action looks great. The score sounds terrific. Um, and uh, I can't wait to be entertained if and when we get this movie. So I thought it was a very good trailer. I agree. I thought it was like, yeah, this is a James Bond movie, and it looks like a good one to boot. Um, I I I don't know if we mentioned this, but I had uh, bought a poster for this film back <laughs> back in uh, two thousand four, and it, and it just arrived uh, a few a few months ago. So that's that's good. I hope it's it's. I hope it's on on a wally already. The um, post office has been bad in the pandemic. It's Etsy. Just... I'm not blaming it on the post office. That shit was on Etsy. And it, it did come from London, so there's that. London, England. Um, Oi. Uh, they say oi over there, right? Oi. Oi. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I wouldn't know. I'm not British. Although I would love to be, Boy. uh, but there, uh, this fucking trailer just goddamn it makes me sad that I haven't seen this movie already. I mean, in a perfect world, we would have already seen this movie, but um, but alas, the times you know we are living in the wrong, wrong dimension. It seems like, um, I oh, God. Just everything looks so good from the Ken Adams inspired sets to um to the action set pieces to Daniel Craig giving like a really stark uh you know line that was a great trailer moment, you know, if we don't you know, if we don't do this there will be nothing left to save. God damn, that's such a good freaking hero line. I love it. Um there there's just different things it looks gorgeous i think what uh uh carrie fukunaga is doing is just phenomenal and i can't wait for this movie um i i i hear word that uh the italian um version of this uh of this trailer gives out a major spoiler which is the full name of uh rami malik's character 
which more than confirms uh, my Spoiler. theories. He's Blofeld. Uh, about this movie, that he is Blof... Yeah, that he is Blofeld. <laughs> um, well, actually, well, I think we should... Spoilers real quick. Um, the real twist, because we've talked about it, we all know, mm-hmm. is that um, he is actually the grandson of Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> That was a bold move, actually. I thought that was a bold move. I thought that was fantastic <laughs> writing to, uh-huh. to pull that twist out for in the last act. Um, yeah. I can't and wait. Then you see in the middle of the movie, um, he, he does the lightning fingers. Yeah, yeah. Pal- so Pal- I, Palpatine fucks. Yeah. Uh, who knew? Who would have thunk it? Um, especially in his deformed, uh, decrepit state. Yeah. Well, I that's why that... Rami Malek wears the mask. He, yeah, the jeans, the, the Palpatine jeans. Yeah, because that 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 just fucked him over, yeah. and he's just also I... wear a mask. Yeah, we... wear a mask. That's the lesson of that's the. That's the lesson. Yeah, that's the lesson of the movie. Wear a mask. Um, but yeah, this. Oh God. By damn, the way, I... I find the title uh-huh. so ironic. This is no time to die. In yeah. the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> um. I hope that I hope they say the line like a very Bondian kind of thing. Just say the line in the movie, because um, yeah, I hope they say the line in the movie. Um, well, this like, is this so important for you, uh, Kyle, because you said you've been waiting for this movie for five years now. Yeah, since after uh, I saw Spectre, and I was I, I was you know under notion during these five years that Spectre was the final. Uh, go around for not just Daniel Craig, but probably the series. Um, and I thought it ended. I thought it ended on a good note, if that be the case. Because I uh, much much a you know contrast to a lot of people's opinions on Spectre. I really liked Spectre. Um, and him riding off into the metaphorical British sunset with uh Madeline Swan and uh. Uh, the Aston Martin, the trademark with James Bond car. I thought that was a perfect end for Bond, you know, and I thought that would, you know, if that was the final, but if they, if Carrie manages to push that times 10 and give it a bigger ending, I, I can't wait. Um, and uh, like, yeah, I'm sad that he didn't get it already. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wish it, you know, all, all again, all the best of luck. If it is going to go ahead and, and and rough it out, it seems in November. Um, I do feel though that if the closer and closer we get to November, we I do I have expect this to be pushed back even further because, yeah, Tenant has made what two hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide, but that's about it. It may get to three hundred million, but that's kind of crumbs for what it would have made we all know that james bond makes most of its money overseas mm-hmm. and that's, overseas is doing a lot better than yeah here and well, the, that, that's here in the, the number i just pointed out that 250 million is overseas here you're not even making 100 million and anything yeah um so i i have expect the movie to be pushed back uh but overall it just seems like from institutional standpoint the film is going to be it looks like a wonderful finale to this era it helps that daniel craig is in a better mood 
than he was when he mm-hmm. was filming Spectre. I think you can tell uh, just on the yeah. trailer. He's happier and he's, you know, I thought he was, I'm sure he was thrilled by what he saw in the script and everything. There's fresh blood working on this film, not just from the director's standpoint, but also from, uh, you know, the conceptual standards of the script in a way. So the trailer of this movie reminded me of why I love movies and why I go to see movies. And so like with Dune, I would love to see this movie in a theater. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hope it does get pushed because I don't want to see James Bond be destroyed because I I just don't think any movie is going to be successful from a financial standpoint until coronavirus is killed. Yeah. Um. Ditto. I I I'm I'm looking forward to it, but again, I don't. You don't need me to tell you that. Um. I I, I look forward to a lot of Bond Bond stuff. Um. Oh, speaking of Bond. Um. Today, um, the guy who played uh, Higo Drax died, um, the villain in Moonraker. Uh-huh. Um, so, rest in peace. Um, also, uh, uh, Diana Rigg died quite recently Rest in peace, well. Diana Rigg. Dang, right. Diana Rigg. Let's get through so. these as fast as we can. Uh, we have a lot to get through still. WandaVision, yay or nay? Yeah, I need to see more. I need to see at least the first episode before I say yay. Um, because I've been I've been disappointed by Marvel before. Um, there it, there it's definitely interesting and there's a lot of interesting takes. Uh, but again, where they're putting it is very discerning. Uh, which is Disney Plus. Um, so that that is a that is a a a flag for concern of mine and i need to see the first episode before i before i um before i put my chips down peter okay so the the same worry i have now is the same worry i've had a lot with since the beginning with the show because when they announced what it was and they showed concept art, I immediately knew what it was and I knew what sort of comics they were trying to go for and referencing. And after seeing the trailer, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I expected. Um, if it goes one way, it could be really cool. If it goes another way, I, I won't care. My worry... How many episodes is this supposed to be? Wait, first of all. Six or eight. Six or eight, okay. My worry is that all the cool shit which is the like 19 television weird trippy shit like mind fuck up stuff my worry is like that's over in like the first two episodes and then the rest of the series is like boring real world shit that's that's a big big worry of mine um yeah it, it, I want 90% of the show to be that the that, weird shit. The weird shit. If it is that, then I'm all in. But if it's like, oh, the first couple episodes, oh, look it, we did it, guys. And then they just go back to just being regular boring superhero shit, then I, 
what a fucking waste. I don't care. Um, that's where I am. You see, and the trailers look like it leans to both ways. Yeah, that, that was going to say that. Look, I have been very pessimistic on every Marvel Studios show coming to Disney Plus. Uh, I think for obvious reasons. I didn't see the first WandaVision teaser from months back that they had, but I did catch this one on live television. I like that trailer. It's a good trailer. I liked trailer. a lot of, yeah. I liked just about everything that I saw. Um, and it actually got me interested in watching at least the first few episodes to see what it's like. Um, but what you just said, Peter, <laughs> you might have just hit the, you know, um, what was it called? Nail, the nail on the, the head. head. Yeah. Nail on the head. Um, that ultimately is going to be what, you know, in our eyes, and I'm sure in a lot of other people's eyes, what this show lives or dies on. Because I agree with you. If the show, I want the show to be 90% of the kooky wackiness that I saw in that trailer. If it's the other way around, I can just watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's the same shit or a Marvel movie, right? Be- being real here. Yeah. And I, I worry because the, the material that we saw is so good. Um, and I'm excited to see more of Wanda Maximoff and more of, you know, Vision. However, we do know this. We know that it's so, in some way, it is going to tie in directly to the Multiverse of Madness Doctor Strange movie, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, from the trailer and from so- photos that have been released, it is going to feature the organization Sword. Yeah. And you know, that gets me really concerned. Okay. What show is this really? Because I feel like those two are kind of fighting with each other. Not only that, um, the the little girl from Captain America is in the show. Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. Growing Monica Rambeau's daughter? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the name. Um... Yeah, I'm just, I'm so worried. I'm so worried that they sell the show and all the cool shit. And then the cool shit is like, honestly, even if it's 50% of the show, I'll be pissed off. I want it to be the majority of the show. I don't, because like the real world stuff, I can kind of guess what the real world stuff is already. Um, And while... Oh, I, I should have mentioned, well, because... What's her name? Elizabeth Olsen herself is going to be in the movie Doctor Strange, right? So yes. She's the bridge between the show and, and the movie. But I think ultimately the show's probably doing its own thing. And then the script for Doctor Strange will have to um, Give work its way around it, so mm. to speak. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just want it to be the majority of the show. But I've been tricked before and specifically by marvel (laughs) where it's like oh no it's gonna be this kind of film it's gonna be different and unique oh god and then i go and it's like it was different and unique for like two seconds and then it was typical marvel shit like that would that's what um uh, far from home did yeah Mm, yeah yeah because like it was so fucking cool when Mysterio was doing Mysterio shit, but then that's when I woke like, up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was a and the, well. To be fair, we did watch it at the brisk of midnight. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but 
yeah, like when weird comic book shit happens like that, like Dormammu have come to bargain. That's the most interesting well, Doctor part. Of- every, remember when they sold Doctor Strange, they're like, oh, these trippy visuals. It's so crazy. It's so, you've never seen anything. Oh my God. It's the craziest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. And they had one sequence. Yeah. Where they went trippy. And then that was it. And then the rest was basically a typical Marvel movie. So it's like, I know, like, you gotta do, you gotta do this shit the entire time. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta, I, you can't do, like, okay, guys, we had our minute of creativity. Let's pat ourselves on the back and then go back to the formula. Like, no. Back to formula. <laughs> talk about a film with personality. Uh, I, I just really, really hope. And again, the 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 weird kooky stuff that I saw, I thought was really cool. I yeah. dug it. I really did. Especially if you get into the psyches of either Wanda or Vision. And, you know, there's some good character stuff going on at the same time. If you have both of that, that's awesome. I, I'm all there. Uh, just don't make it. My biggest fear is whatever is going on. It like ends after episode one, episode one or episode two. And then the rest of the show is just mostly dealing with the fallout or whatever. I don't know. I just don't. What if it ends halfway through? Because if it's like six or, you know, Mm -hmm. six or eight, if it ends at the end or in the midway point of episode five. Well, well, like I said, even if it's 50 percent, I feel I'd feel pissed off because now nah, I, I i think the the majority of the show needs to be this because like wandavision and everything like that and plus like the the vibe of like the old school you know retro shit like it really worked in wandavision it sounds like an old television program you know so i don't know but peter's right i've been stuck yeah peter's right though go on because they keep doing this marvel studios keeps doing this like this they keep stumbling onto great concepts somewhere in their movies, but they spend like five minutes and then they just rest of the movie is back to typical earth shit. And it becomes, you know, your Saturday morning of the week. Like what happened with Ant-Man and the Wasp? You have the quantum realm concept. You could have been, that could have been the movie and make it somewhat interesting, but it wasn't. Road trip throughout the quantum realm. I think that would have been a much better movie. (sighs) I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's so that much yawn. There's so much interesting shit you can do with shrinking and enlarging in that concept. And Atman and the the Wasp is so fucking boring. I I do not like that film. And yeah, Marvel keeps doing this. It's like, wow, cool idea. Do it for two seconds and then move on. This is the first Marvel thing, though. We've gotten since uh the change we'll, we'll call it for you know from going from phase 3 to what is supposed to be the new era of marvel so I, this is on this that is note a, mm-hmm. do you want to finish your thought similar to the way mulan was like the last gasp of me giving a fuck of of live action 
Disney remakes, this is kind of the last gasp for me to give a fuck about <laughs> all, all the MCU About shit. Phase 4. Yeah. So. Um, from what I've been hearing is Falcon and the Winter Soldier was delayed to next year more so because of a spoiler slash tie-in for the Black Widow movie, which has yet to come out. Oh, you mean how fucking what's her name is the new Black uh, Widow? Florence Pugh? Her little, little sister, even though she never had a family before? I think it had more to do with um, Thunderbolt Ross, because apparently he's on both of those, both the the show and the Black Widow movie. Well, yeah, he'll introduce the new Black, Black Widow. Yeah, or something like that. Uh, what about She-Hulk? Tatiana Maslany was cast. I don't Thoughts? know who she is. Everyone seemed excited, so I will mirror their excitement. Orphan Black. I haven't seen it, but I hear... Didn't she win an Emmy for that show? Yeah, maybe multiple Emmys, I think. Um, the, her and Mark Ruffalo look like they could be related, so... There's that. Um, I hear she does, like, deep intricate like well thought out acting pieces and all that stuff i don't know how that relates to she hulk um but uh nevertheless i don't know all right let's move on to something we can't talk about mandalorian season two trailer dropped surprise surprise that was a good trailer it Uh, was a trailer it was good uh pretty they were on a boat. boat it had sails. all the favorites. <laughs> it had Mando, Baby Yoda, the child as he's known. Uh, what's her name? Cara Dune, played by Gina Carano. Who, yeah. Oof. Yeah. And uh, Carl Weathers. And Stormtroopers. And Splosions. Oh, they had the, the guards. Fucking those pig things. Uh-huh. And they're... They're fighting each other. Mm-hmm. They could have just designed a new cool creature to fight each other. But the thing is- Why would we, you do that? Why would you do that when we already know the pig creatures? It's that thing, you know, like it, from your childhood. So we're going to show it to you again. And we're going to go back to tattooing. Like, oh, you sent that picture for- <laughs> What was it like? The fucking Tuscan Raider, Tuscan the, Raider yeah. on the on the Bantha or whatever. And I was just like, ah, kill me. Okay, before like, we get oh to that stuff, God. before we get to that stuff, yeah. Thoughts on the trailer and how it was? It was a good trailer. Disney makes really, really good trailers. They always have. It was a Kyle. good trailer. It. it- Indeed, it was definitely a good trailer. Indubitably. All right. I guess we can go back it, to ranting about Tatooine. It, Fuck okay, Tatooine. It, 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 it so disheartened me, like, the direction that they were going, and f- fucking Filoni, I know it's him, um, that they're, they're doing all this fan service bullshit and everything like that. Like, I love Ahsoka... Tano and all that stuff. Like she's one of my favorite Star 
you know star wars characters ever i don't need her to you know be in fucking mandalorian i don't need sabine wren to be in mandalorian you know i was interested the thing that got me interested in the first season was the fact that oh we think that this is some badass you know bounty hunter and everything like that but no it's actually about uh an adoptive father you know harboring in um his newfound child, you know, and I think that was amazing. I thought that was an amazing concept. We haven't seen that before in, in this degree. So I think that that was amazing. That's what got me hooked by an sinker. And now all of a sudden season two comes in, we're throwing every Tuscan Raiders, Tatooine, Boba Fett, you know, and everything like that. Tomorrow Mars and Ahsoka and all that stuff and fan service. And that, the, the episode I hated the most in season one was the Tatooine episode. Oh, that and episode was terrible. It was absolute garbage. It and was also, no less than any of the other ones also, for me. For me. Whatever. Um, th- by the way, Amy Sedaris deserved a better episode than that bullshit. Taika Waititi um, directed the hell out of that episode and so did Deborah Chow. Whichever one that she got. But yeah. But, like, I I think, like, God, I'm, I'm going to actually stand by the, fa- the, the fandom menace oh in this God. regard, but, but in a different, but in a different perspective that I think Kathleen Kennedy and the creative heads that she hires needs to go because all they could think of is creative bankrupt shit. The Phantom so, Menace loves the Mandalorian. You're saying that Dave Filoni needs to be removed from the Mandalorian? Well, see, this is the thing. I heard you disparage Dave Filoni earlier, and it's really actually not his fault. Um, what a lot of people don't know, luckily the scooper herself, <laughs> Miss Grace Randolph, has already leaked to this. But uh, the reason why he's always wearing his cowboy hat is because there's actually a mouse under there controlling his every movement. Um, <sighs> and controlling the future okay. of Star Wars. Metaphor heard, Peter. Um, are you sure it's all Disney? What do you mean it's all Disney? It's all Disney that's making them have the creative, you know, bankrupt shit by, you know. That was a Ratatouille joke. Oh, I thought you were saying, like, because Mouse, you know, <laughs> I don't think, I when you say Mouse, it's Mickey Mouse, not Rat. <laughs> but you I know. said a Mouse underneath the hat controlling him. That's Ratatouille. <laughs> but you say Mouse, not Rat. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Um, They're different animals, you know. I, I, it's, but it is obviously a team effort. It is John Favreau. It is Dave Filoni. It is whatever other creative people they got in their ear at the time. Um, I, I'll just, I'll just say the same thing I've been saying from the beginning. This is a type of Star Wars that a lot of people really seem to love, and it's just not the Star Wars I give a shit about. Uh, and it seems like season two is going to make me give even less of a shit. So. Here's to WandaVision. Yeah, sure. I want to bring forward uh, Favreau and Filoni's comments on the upcoming season and see, in case people are listening that are confused about what we're complaining about. So I have the quote here. Um, 
The new season is about introducing a larger story in the world, says Favreau, who notes the show will expand beyond Mando-centric tales. The story, the stories became, excuse me, the stories become less isolated, yet each episode has its own flavor. And hopefully we're bringing a lot more scope to the show. Adds Filoni, everything gets bigger. The stakes get higher, but also the personal story between the child and the Mandalorian develops in a way I think people will enjoy. Entertainment Weekly continues. This is them interjecting. And while the first season's episodes very strictly focused on Mando, season two adds new storytelling angles. And then this continues into the quote. As we introduce other characters, there are opportunities to follow different storylines, Favreau says. The world was really captivated by Game of Thrones and how they and how that evolved as the characters followed different storylines. That's very appealing to me as an audience member. I just hate everything that he just said. This this show was never designed to be a Game of Thrones. Your writing is not nearly good enough to do a Game of Thrones. This is very much a fun, light, uh, bounty hunter and, and son, uh, you know, go on adventures type show. But they wanted, I, everything, every time they want to expand the world, all they do is make it smaller. By bringing in all the old fucking yeah. characters that we've seen a million times and then make the central uh, issue all about the Jedi again. Because that's what's <laughs> going to happen. It, it's going all it's going back to the Jedi. Every time you think you've escaped a Jedi story in Star Wars, uh, tricks on you because there's a secret Jedi somewhere like fucking Solo. Oh, it turned out that they were. <laughs> turned out that uh these marauders were actually the rebellion and you need join the rebellion han solo oh look there's darth maul with his lightsaber it's like fuck dude like just and that's stop. why like i i was on board with uh mandalorian like 90 percent uh, with the exception of the fifth episode but like when uh gideon moff gideon mm -hmm. brought out the freaking uh dark saber I I want I I wanted to throw my TV out the freaking window. Really? Yeah, that's I, when you know it's like seeing... it's done. Like cuz you know this I thought is... you would have loved that. No, I I I'm tired of seeing fucking lightsabers in Star Wars. Oh, wow. Cuz you know now this next season there's going to be a badass action sequence between Moff Gideon and a and Asajj not Asajj, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Or Bo-Katan, who's Katie Sackhoff mm -hmm. is coming back. And then what's going to happen is Bo-Katan, it, it's literally, it's literally going to be the Clone War. It's literally going to be the continuation of the Clone Wars. Because you're going to have the clones there. You're going to have fucking Ahsoka there. And they're going to be talking about the Empire and, and the Jedi and the continuation of that. And then you you're know who we're not talking about? Mm -hmm. Mando. Oh, no, it's okay, because Amando is going to go and, and hang out with Bo-Katan, and they're going to talk about, for the hundredth time in, like, 20, the span of 20 years, uh, building up Mandalore again, <laughs> and, and bringing back Mandalore. And then that, again, every, 
literally everything we fucking seen from Rebels to Clone Wars, Clone Wars. And, and everything Dave Filoni touches. It's about rebuilding Mandalore. Stop fucking destroying Mandalore, Dave Filoni. Leave that poor <laughs> civilization alone. It's the same shit. And it's the same story. fetish. Repeating themselves. And, yeah. And, and it's just like, I. Stop. You had the opportunity to tell something new and unique, and you're just incapable of doing it. And I don't know why. Ugh. But the trailer was good. <laughs> <laughs> but you were addressing something earlier. We will say that there has been talk that there were behind the scenes problems with. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to actually go into that? Sure. Okay. Uh, a lot of people dislike Grace Randolph. Uh, understandable to an extent. <laughs> uh, but she's not wrong. Like, nine out of ten times I've seen her, like, predict some shit. It's been per- fairly accurate. So, b- saying that, what she's heard from her And that sources, gets her head bigger. <laughs> well, it's all in her hair. Bigger hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. What she heard from her sources was that Pedro Pascal was pretty pissed because he wanted more scenes without the helmet. And I guess the the head um creatives running the mandalorian show said no basically pushed back on giving him more scenes without the helmet and i guess it got so bad that he bypassed them and went straight to lucasfilm and tried to get you know more scenes without the without without his helmet basically actually having to act um, and I guess that led a supposedly, allegedly, according to Grace Randolph's sources, he he like leaves the show halfway through the season, and he's basically quit. Uh, he's basically quit the show, and I think. So the first half will have him, and then the second half will be other characters. Just to update Mm -hmm. a little bit on that is, from what she said, is that situation had been resolved. And so there could have been a reconciliation with Pedro Pascal and the people, but the filming had already happened, and the Mm -hmm. season was kind of wrapped by the time that happened. Okay. I I don't remember that part. But yeah, that's apparently what she had claimed. And if that is the case, that would kind of create a reason for why all of a sudden the show switches gears. Because in that Entertainment Weekly article, they confirmed that. And and what Favreau and Filoni said is halfway through the season, there's a massive shift. And we, we kind of leave Mando and we focus on other characters. You get an Ahsoka episode, and you get a Boba Fett episode, and you get a Bo-Katan episode. Oh, what's her name? Sabine. Uh, maybe Sabine, but the 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 one that's actually on the show, the new character, what's her name? Cara Dune? Yeah, I could see her getting her own episode. 
So, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I don't care. So, how do how do we feel if the season is what it is? Do you think it'll be still lauded? Yeah. Oh 100%. my gosh, that's so good. That was easily the best lightsaber battle in, in since the original trilogy. The way she flipped over and then the dark saber, it was so cool. Did you see when Boba Fett and the Mandalore had a one-to-one fight? And, you know, it was back and forth. It was so cool. Oh, to see the clones in live action, my heart, my childhood. Oh, God, this is amazing. Thank you, dear God, Filoni. You are truly a god among men. Please let me get on my knees and suck your dick. Oh, my gosh. that That's going to be the reaction. <laughs> To the season. Well, we we won't have to wait long. It is supposedly coming out October thirtieth. So, yay! Um, I I would assume at least we will tune in for the first episode and we'll come back with thoughts on that, um, along with WandaVision, which is supposedly coming Thanksgiving or early December. So. We'll keep tabs on that. I want to close with Mulan's performance on Disney Plus because we had been asking that question for weeks now, how good or not it was going to do. So that'll be the last story. So let me do this update and then we can go home. We good with that, kids? All right. So uh, the update for box office. Tenet only made $4.7 million in the U.S. this last weekend. Yay. It has made $36 million in the U.S. or domestic and $250 million worldwide. It's the numbers it deserves. <laughs> Perhaps. <sighs> uh, meanwhile, Mulan, theatrically, not including Disney+, Plus, um, only debuted in China in its first week with $24 million. It plummeted 72% in its second weekend to Damn. only make $6 million. And overall, when all the money has been counted in places that Mulan has been in theaters, it has only made $57 million. That's bad. That's not great. Um, and so what did it do on Disney Plus? Well, again, we don't have the official numbers. There is speculation that the next time Bob Chapik or Bob Iger go on the, the what's it called? The investors the quarter, call? The quarterly call. When I think it's October or something. Uh, maybe Kyle will listen for us. He usually does listen to those. There is speculation that they're going to drop the actual data on how Mulan did uh, there. But the closest thing we have to that is from this analytics uh, firm called Seven Park Data. There was a misleading headline a few days ago that it made 290 million something in like the first week. That was false. That's not what happened. Um, so this is their, their closest guess of what happened. So apparently 10% of Disney Plus subscribers in that eight-day period that Mulan debuted, not and to be clear, active subscribers, not ten percent of all sixty million Disney Plus subscribers, but only ten percent of those that were active. Rented paid, Mulan. Paid the thirty bucks to acquire Mulan. So. They break that down to three different categories depending on the official number. So if 20 million people did uh, the $30, it would have made $62 million. If 25 million paid the 30 bucks, it would have been $77 million. And if the most, which is what they think is 
30 million US subscribers um, pay the 30 bucks, its overall max would have been $93 million for the first eight days. However, you know, Peter did shout out Grace Randolph. Her inside sources have said from Disney that to date, in three weeks, Mulan has only made $90 million on Disney+. Plus. Not good. <laughs> Very um, reflective. <laughs> the um, the VOD experiment has failed. It didn't work. It didn't work. I think what I think what killed a lot of the momentum well not a lot but just a little bit is um pre-announcing that the movie would be available in December anyway which Disney did themselves why would they do that yeah like say that no this is this is it this is Milan um I think that would entice more people also 30 bucks is a lot and apparently no one likes the movie anyway. Yeah, and it's not good either. So from it's like it 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 did horribly in China. And if you add the 90 million that is reportedly what they did on Disney Plus with the 57 mm-hmm. million that it did from theaters, the overall total for Mulan approximately on these numbers that we have, which aren't official, I want want to stress would be 150 million. And it's not going to get much higher. It's a disaster. And so when it comes to this premier access experiment, from what has been rumbling is that, all right, so perhaps the next movie to go on premier access won't be a Black Widow, but it'll be Soul which is a smaller film from a financial standpoint. What do you guys think of Soul doing the premiere access thing on Disney Plus? That's the most likely one. Uh, which freaking sucks cuz I'd rather see Soul in a in a theater. I'd rather I see a this, lot of things in a theater. But I feel the same way though. Like, I, I'm not going to Soul is kind of like the movie I'm looking forward to the most out of any of the ones we've discussed so far. Because I, I love Pete Doctor's work. It looks amazing. I mean, let's just be real. It looks fucking fantastic. It also looks just so appropriate for the times that we're living in right now to have a film talk about your fucking soul after you die. Hey, um, global pandemic. But hey, right now, there's no time to die. <laughs> oh my gosh. You had to put that in there. Um put what in there i would like to see soul as soon as possible but I, I i would be disappointed if it were just you know shunted off to to disney plus which would make it the second pixar film <laughs> to have that kind of treatment at least this one would have a premiere access onward was just no nah, it's there take it if you want to be fair no one really liked that one <laughs> i liked it that's nice. 
but yeah, yeah. I, I, we had said that we didn't know beforehand if this would be horrific, middling, or outstanding. Um, that was three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, both of you, question: Are you surprised by these numbers? Are they overwhelming, underwhelming for you? I mean, they're underwhelming in general, but like, were you? Are you surprised? Say- I wouldn't say it's over or under. I would just say that it's you're wet. whelming. You're whelmed. I'm just whelmed. Just like um it's like opening up the fridge and it's saying, you know, do not open dead pigeon inside and you open it and then, you know, <laughs> there there's an actual dead pigeon inside, you know. Don't didn't know what I expected. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I you don't know how well it would do either way, but the fact that it didn't do well isn't surprising in the least. Yeah. And so now we're left with the PVOD, as you say, uh, Peter, was a failure. And obviously right now, releasing a movie theatrically is doing nothing for you, so... When are we getting movies again? <sighs> We're not. We're not. <laughs> That's the answer. But we have TV. And so we'll at least we'll have that. For yeah. now. For now. Um, but yeah. I uh I will say there's a part of me that is happy because, you know, um, not that I wanted to see the film overall lose. I mean, I was—I didn't like the movie at all. And the drama around it with the concentration camp is disgusting. But um, I guess what we've seen from the initial returns of the international box office mixed with the middling results of POD, PVOD, the hunger remains for theatrical experiences. And now isn't the time for it, and it seems most people get that, but it kind of has filled me with some kind of hope that when things, when we overcome coronavirus in whatever way, shape, or form that has, the theatrical experience will return. Like James Bond will return at the end of every credit sequence. It says James Bond will return, like theaters, one of these days. Or the pandemic just never ends. And we die. So that was our show, guys. Yep, that was our show. Thank you all for listening so much. I want to thank Peter for being here as well as Kyle. Uh, I thought we had a really uh, interesting conversation. It's been a while since the three of us had like talked a whole bunch of trailers like this, like if it were normal times or something. Uh, but I had fun, and I hope you guys had fun uh, listening to it, too. I want to remind you that we are wrapping up our Legend of Korra series with the final episode. We have upcoming content for Spooky Season, as they call it, with Dr. Sleep and the Shining Audio Commentaries. We have shows planned for both seasons of the Haunting series from Mr. Mike Flanagan on Netflix, The Fantasy Fair is going to have a month-long Halloween uh, series of specials. And to the table as well, we'll be coming back for Halloween uh, with a lot of, with a ghost uh, theme. Uh, we're keeping the spirit alive. We're keeping any spirit alive, it seems like. So 
Thank you all so much for listening to our show. Keep it here under our red spotlight every Sunday and sometimes on Thursdays. You can catch the Fantasy Fair on Fridays or Mondays. And, you know, thank you all so much. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.